They say the most important part of your fishing tackle is your fishing line because it links you to the fish. Well, we're going to talk about the leading tip of that line on this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I'm Chad Lachance, and you're listening to Fishful Thinker, the podcast. All things fishful, all the time. Hey guys, Chad Lachance here. Thanks so much as always for turning into this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast brought to us as always by the fine folks at Sportsman's Warehouse. Visit them at 142 stores nationwide or at sportsmans.com and I often do the same myself. Guys, here we are, March 1, uh, headed for springtime in a hurry at this point and pretty excited about that myself. Been doing a fair bit of fishing. Uh, mostly bank fishing right now, not able to launch the boats yet. It just opened here a couple lakes in Colorado, just opened to boating today, and uh, we'll be out here pretty quick uh, getting on the water with the boat as well. But right now I've been doing a whole bunch of bank fishing. I want to clean up a little bit of uh, office work real quick before we get going too far into this podcast because I want your input. Um, I want to know, is this podcast too long, too short, too vague, uh, in short, what would you like to see of it, and would you be more inclined to watch if we filmed it? And I haven't filmed it because it really, I feel like a podcast is a thing that people just listen to in their cars or whatever, and the amount of e- extra effort it takes to, to film and edit it, put it together that way, as opposed to sitting down at my soundboard and recording it. Um, I don't know if it's worth it or not. So I want your input. Chad at fishfulthinker.com or any one of our social pages at fishfulthinker on Facebook uh, or Instagram. Uh, You can message me there. But in short, do I need to make it longer? Do I need to make it shorter? Do I need to be more specific? Do I need to film it? What would you like to see to make sure that you mash that subscribe button? Do I need more guests on the show? I mean, you just... You tell me, people. You tell me, and uh, and I will uh, I will accommodate. We're two years into this thing now, and uh, and I'm enjoying it. But I want to make sure that you are as well. So enough of that. Line fishing line. We've done whole podcasts on fishing line in the past. Uh, I got a couple of emails in the last month or so about the leaders that I throw because I'm a big fan of using leaders on your line, and we'll get into that some more. I was at Sportsman's Warehouse a couple of days ago and uh, was looking at some jerk baits for some for some spring stuff, kind of doing some evaluation for an article I was writing, and a gentleman asked me again there about leaders. And anytime I get the same question more than a couple of times over a short period of time, I generally consider it as a topic, and we're going with that right here. So leaders, why leaders? Why is it important enough to dedicate an entire podcast to? Well, here's the thing. A high percentage of anglers these days throw braided line, and I'm a huge fan of braided line myself. I throw tons of it, probably, oh, I would say 80, 70%, 75% of my spinning rods have braided line on them, um, and probably 40 or 50% of my bait casters, maybe 40% of my bait casters have braided line on them. I use it for a lot of stuff, everything from panfish to, to saltwater uh, everywhere in between, and that's one of the reasons for a leader is the fact that you have the braided line. And I'll get into details in a minute, but the braided line in a lot of scenarios is better if it has some sort of leader on on the front of it. And the other scenario that I might need is not for braided line. I might even have nylon monofilament. 
But then we're going to talk about leaders for bite protection. Um, bite protection meaning things like pike, uh, fish that will literally bite you off. And then we have options for leaders there as well. And that may include a couple different materials on those leaders. So the, the reasons why I like the leader are, are, are multiple. Um, first of all, if you're throwing a treble bait, uh, with braided line, let's let me let me back up a step. Assuming we're throwing braided line, okay, that's the most common scenario in which I'm going to use a leader. The only time I'm going to use a leader, uh, if I'm throwing fluorocarbon or nylon, uh, the only time I would throw a leader there is for straight bite protection, as I, I just said a second ago. So, it, pike, maybe saltwater fish, um, just serious bite protection. And at that point, depending on what I'm doing, if I'm, let's say I'm in Colorado or somewhere in the West United States, if I'm fishing for pike, I'm going to have fluorocarbon still. And it's going to be maybe 30 to 60 pound, maybe even 80 pound, depending on the bait that I'm throwing and, and, and all of that. Uh, that heavy-duty fluorocarbon leader material is very, very uh, abrasion resistant or teeth resistant. It's not as strong as steel. I get it. Somebody's going to send me an email, undoubtedly, well, I grew up fishing pike, and you got to have steel. I get it. In a lot of places where there's a lot of pike, you're going to get a ton of bites, and they don't care about your steel leader. But in the west where I live, a lot of pike are line shy, and you'll get a lot more bites with... Um, fluorocarbon leaders than you will with the steel leaders. Also, your baits will behave better. So the extra bites, even if I lose one of them every now and then, will be more than made up for, um, you know, because I get so many more of them for one or for two, it's still very rare that we get bit off, um, depending on what I'm throwing. The smaller the bait I'm throwing for, for toothy fish, the beefier the leader needs to be, which is counterintuitive. And the reason that's the case is because there's more chance of getting that whole bait in their mouth. If I'm pike fishing, let's say I'm pike fishing here in Colorado, and I'm throwing a six-inch long jerk bait, which I'm well known to do for pike, great big giant jerk bait, hard as I can work it, or an eight-inch jerk bait even, uh, I'm not worried about a leader. Those fish are not going to get that bait in their gullet or very, very rarely. I'm going to have like a 30-pound leader on there, right? And... Um, 30 pound is going to be prospect 100% fluorocarbon, which is a very hard fluorocarbon. And it, but you buy it in leader wheels, and then I'm going to tie it off to the braided line, and then I'm going to put a loop knot at the other end, a, either a perfection loop or a Duncan loop or Apollo knot, whatever loop knot that you like, I'm going to put it at the other end to attach my jig. And the reason is, is it allows that jig to move freely. That fluorocarbon is very stiff. So with that big jerk bait, I might only need 30-pound fluorocarbon. But if I'm throwing, say, a jig with a soft swim bait that's, you know, say, five inches long, pike are going to get that whole thing in their gullet, and you better have a, a beefy leader on there. At that point, I'll move all the way up to 60- or 80-pound prospect leader, and they won't bite it off. Now, let's say that I'm getting a bunch of bites, or I need a very small bait to get the bites, which I've seen. Uh, in that case, I'm going to um, potentially go to tieable steel. And when I go to tieable steel, um, it, I notice right away that my bites drop off, my lures don't behave the same, but I don't have any issue with bite off. So if you're, let's say you're going to Minnesota where there's tons of pike, well, maybe you need some tieable steel there, but I'm not a fan. And I use it about twice a year. The rest of the time, I'm using fluorocarbon for my leaders, uh, for bite leaders regardless. So um, 
when it comes to the bite leader situation, which is again the most common one, the biggest thing to keep in mind is that fluorocarbon is very stiff and it is going to d basically dumb down the action of any lure that you put it on. So if the lure has a split ring in the front, um, then I will tie directly with a with a firm knot, and in that case, I'll I'll tie that thing off with a jam knot, San Diego jam or a Palomar. If the bait does not have a split ring in the front, then I will either install one, I will tie off to a locking clip, which is not generally my my deal, but I will occasionally do that if I can't get a split ring on the bait, or I will use a loop knot. Now let me tell you this: if you use a loop knot. On, and I don't care if it's on a pike size leader or a six pound leader for trout. If you're using a loop knot, you need to retie that knot all the time. That is unfortunately a knot that holds up very well when it's new, but does not age well. And I've had more heartbreaks from loop knots that get old. So I will retie a loop knot every few minutes, even every maybe every 15 or 20 minutes, um, unless that bait's just not getting any any feedback at all, any action, any pulling, no snagging, nothing. The bait's just, just coming through the water column. And the reason being is, again, that knot will wear out. So um, for bite-offs, 30 to 80-pound fluorocarbon, uh, and then for anything else, it's going to be lighter than that. And so let's back up a step and go to the more traditional reasons I use a leader. Why? Let's talk about uh, my most probably standard spinning rod. If you've ever watched Fishful Thinker television or seen us on YouTube, you've seen me some at some point with a six and a half to seven foot spinning rod and a size, say, 2,500 spinning reel and braided line on it. That's the most common setup for me. I throw that a ton. I throw it for a bunch of different stuff. The rod may be anywhere between a medium light and a medium heavy, and the reel may be anywhere between a 2,000 and a 3,000, let's say, or a 2,500 and 3,500, let's say. The braided line will be somewhere between 10 and 20 pounds in most, um, almost all of those lines uh, or rod reel setups. And then from there is where it gets interesting because the leader allows me to fine tune any one of those rods to whatever presentation it is that I want to throw. So all other things being equal, you get more bites on light line that you do than you do on heavy line. It's less visible, the, the bait behaves more naturally in the water. Uh, it's generally easier in a lot of ways to work with, but it doesn't provide you the tensile strength. So by having say a 10 or 15 pound uh, braided line, main line, and then tying that whatever leader I need. The weak link is obviously going to be at the leader, but the leader will allow me to fine tune. So even if I had yesterday, here's a good example. Yesterday I was fishing uh, and I was going back and forth between a Berkeley power switch um, in the um, two, what, two and a half inch size, which is off the top of my head, I want to say it's quarter of an ounce. Uh, I was going back and forth between that and a finisher, which is considerably heavier. And so I had the, the two different rods. But the, uh, the rod with the finisher on it, which is a much heavier, more reactive bait, has a 10-pound fluorocarbon leader on it. And the rod that had the, the power switch on it only has an uh, 8-pound fluorocarbon leader on it. And the difference in the two is just... It doesn't sound like a lot, but it is a big difference in diameter and allows the baits to, to behave more freely. That finisher is a highly reactive bait, and it will overpower a line very easy. And 
And the, the, the power switch, on the other hand, is a much more finesse bait, and it can have its action dumbed down completely by too stiff a line. Now, you guys are going to say, you're splitting hairs, you're splitting hairs. You're right, I am splitting hairs, but that's why I carry multiple rods. If I'm going to carry, if, I, if I'm going back and forth between two baits, I want two rods, each rigged appropriately, rather than retying. And no, I'm not a fan of clips. I mentioned them earlier in the show. If you're going to use a clip, you need to retie it just as though you didn't have a clip on there on a regular basis. The only reason I will use a clip is to allow the bait to swing around more freely. It is more durable than a loop knot, and it requires less line to retie it. So my leader will last longer. So um, that's my scenario with that. But the, the the basic theory is that I carry leader material in my boat anywhere from 4-pound test to 20-pound test in fluorocarbon. And those are all in just regular fluorocarbon. And what I use is the tags, the ends of, of the spools of line that I buy. I don't buy specific leader material for that application. I use the ends of all my trying 100% fluorocarbon for that. And I literally keep them in every increment they come in in the boat. So 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 17, and 20. And I can fine-tune all of those. Occasionally, I'll take out maybe 14 and 17 and just leave 14 to 20 in there if I'm, if I'm in a pinch for room or something like that. But the reality of the situation is uh, I will keep all of the sizes in there with just, oh, maybe 10 yards on the end of each spool, something like that. And those are what I will tie my leaders with. And that's why I burn up all the ends of my stuff. I keep them all in one bag in there in linear order so I can tell which one's which. And I go across the board. Uh, from there. So if I, if I know I need, you know, eight pound, okay, well, that's right here and, and I can go ahead and tie it up. The other materials I carry in the boat, I'm going to carry um, 30 and 60 Prospect fluorocarbon. If there's any chance I'm going to run into pike anywhere, those will stay in the boat all the time as well. And those are for the bite-offs, like I already talked about. And then I don't even carry tieable steel or steel eaters of any kind in the boat on a, on a day-in and day-out basis. I, I reserve that for specialty trips. And so that tells you how I really feel about that stuff. And, um, and then the other thing I carry, and this is going to be a little bit counterintuitive, but I'll carry, I'll carry 10... Uh, 14 and 20 pound nylon monofilament. In, in that case, it's Trilene XT, which is stiffer than traditional, uh, say, Trilene XL. Why the monofilament? Well, here's why. Because uh, fluorocarbon sinks. And so even a fluorocarbon leader, not the whole main line, just a fluorocarbon leaner, leader is denser than water and will pull the nose of a topwater bait down, or it will hold the nose of a jerk bait down, as the case might be. And because of that, there are certain scenarios where I don't want that to be the case. I want the tip of the bait floating high in the column, and the obvious one is the topwater bait. So I throw a lot of topwater baits. Because I guide for smallmouth bass, I throw a lot of small topwater baits. Plus, I believe small topwater baits are, are more consistent, uh, as with small most other baits, for that matter. But anyway... I throw a lot of topwater baits with my clients, and we do that on spinning rod because when I guide, I don't guide with casting tackle. It's a very small percentage of my clients that can throw casting tackle. So I developed all of my presentations for the last 20 years around spinning rods. And so when I've got guys throwing a popper on the post spawn around horse tooth, well, then I've got them throwing that popper on a spinning rod, and it's going to have a nylon monofilament leader on it. 
to that doesn't pull the nose of the popper under. It could be a could be a walking bait, could be a chopo, could be a popper, could be whatever you're talking about. A topwater bait is better served on braided line with a nylon monofilament leader. And somebody's going to say, why are you not tying directly to the main line for that leader in this scenario? And and I'll tell you why right now. Because when you do that, in a lot of cases, unless you're very good at controlling your cast, your bait will tumble in the air and you will have a lot of time where you're unfouling the bait. The braided line is so supple, which is a fantastic trait of braided line, but also a detriment around treble hooks. So if I've got, say, a Berkeley Driftwalker, one of my favorite topwater baits of all time, as far as the walking baits go, it's for sure one of my favorites. It's got three treble hooks, and it's a little bit of a lightweight bait. It's pretty easy to cast, but it's long and skinny, and it will tumble in the air. And if it tumbles and wraps that braid, you will see line knots like you have never seen in your life. Also, when let's say I get a good cast and the bait lands just fine and I'm working the bait, duke, 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 and it's working back and forth like a perfect walk the dog presentation, if I give it enough slack to really make it to turn, which is a great way to generate bites, it will also potentially catch that braided line and, and again, ruin your cast. So what the nylon leader does on the front end of a, of a topwater rod or Conversely, what a fluorocarbon leader does, same thing, all, all working the same, is it gives me a little bit of stiffness right at the end of the line. And that stiffness will help prevent my walking bait or my jerk bait or whatever from constantly tangling with the uh, braided line that's on the front or, you know, with the main line. And the other thing it does is it gives me a little bit of visibility. So there's two reasons that I'm throwing that. It gives me a little bit less visibility uh, so the fish don't see the line in the case of the jerk bait or even a top wire that's just sitting there on the surface. I think it helps the fish not see the line. And then for two, it keeps those baits from tangling up like crazy uh, when you either cast them or you're working the bait very aggressively. Those are the two reasons that I'm doing it. So, um, and you'll see that again in any of my presentations. So the top water, the, the nylon will help hold the bait up. But in the scenario of a um, jerk bait, it, when we won the, the high school national championship years ago, 2016, we were throwing floating jerk baits in very shallow water. And I needed those baits to stay as high in the water column as they, as they possibly could. So even when, when one of the kids was working the bait real aggressively, it wouldn't dive. We were throwing 20 and 25 pound nylon leaders about a foot long on the tip of the 15 pound braid. And the reason, again, is to keep the bait from fouling for one, for two, to keep um, to keep a little bit of visibility, and then for three, um, to help hold the bait up in the comb. That heavy, really heavy-duty nylon like that floats like crazy, and it will hold that bait up. So the bait's sitting horizontal in the water, so when you jerk it, it doesn't dive as aggressively as a bait that's sitting nose down in the water. And that's important when you're only fishing in, in a foot to two feet of water. You don't want that bait diving straight into the bottom. So we need to make it stay up. And we fine tune that by using heavy, uh, heavy pound test, I should say, but lightweight, less, less light than water. I should say more buoyant than, than, uh, than, not, than fluorocarbon and let that thing float and hold the nose of the baits up. So Again, to reiterate a little more clearly, uh, I'm carrying in my boat uh, four pound to 20 pound in even increments of fluorocarbon because I use fluorocarbon leaders more because I fish subsurface more. 
Um, also because fluorocarbon is more abrasion resistant than monofilament and it lasts longer. It doesn't absorb water or UV as much and so it lasts longer. So it's just a generally more durable product than nylon to use. So I'll carry the fluorocarbon in, in 4 to 20, then I'll carry the nylon in uh, like 10, 14, and 20, and that's just to cover the various sizes of, of topwater baits that I might throw or the jerk bait that I might want to hold up in the water column. And then again, I'll carry the prospect in 30 and 60. That's what I carry in my boat all the time. Now, to be more general about leaders, uh, I personally still tie a double uni knot or a back-to-back -back uni knot to tie off leaders. Part of the reason is to tie them to the main line, I should say. The, part of the reasons, multiple reasons. For one, I've been tying that knot since I was a kid, and I can tie it in my sleep. And so there's other knots that may test better on a knot machine. I've done this on Berkeley's fancy knot machine. You know, they're the leader in, in line production in the whole country. They've got a really fancy machine for testing uh, knots. I have played with that machine, and I can tell you that the way I tie a back-to-back -back uni it will test right there with anything else that you can tie. For one, I can tie it in like a quarter of the time that you can tie, say, an FG knot, and I can do it in the wind or anything else. So somebody's going to say, well, yeah, but it has a problem because it doesn't like to go through the guides. And I'm going to tell you, you're correct. The, the, the uni knot is not as smooth as the FG knot. But the advantages of being able to tie it quickly and replace it quickly if I need to are key for one, it's, it's uh, testing strength is excellent, excellent, excellent for two. For three, it's a knot that's extremely versatile. I can do other things like attach hooks and things with it. So being good at a uni knot is one of the best things you can you can have as a skill as being good at tying a uni knot. And I use a uni knot for all kinds of stuff just in day to day life. Uh, if I need to attach something with a rope or whatever, uni knots are fantastic for all kinds of stuff. Um, and and they don't care what the diameter of the lines are either. So I can tie you know eight pound braid to eighty pound fluorocarbon without any problem with it. Whereas a lot of knots you can't do that. So. One trick to tying the uni knot for me, I tie the braid side first, and then I just barely snug it down, and then I tie the fluorocarbon or nylon side, and I barely snug it down, and then I get the whole thing wet. And I don't mean like wet as in I lightly licked it with my tongue. I want you to drool on that thing, or maybe even put it in the water to cinch it, because the whole point is keeping heat out of the knot. And that takes a lot of moisture. The moisture, think of it like a, if you've ever, if you're a construction guy, you have a tile saw. It squirts water constantly on that blade the whole time to keep it cool. Well, just getting that line a little bit damp and then pulling it tight, it's going to generate a tremendous amount of heat in a hurry. And doesn't, anytime you've ever played with, with nylon, I guarantee you, if I light a lighter, you can't run that nylon through that lighter fast enough to keep it from not burning itself in half. It burns immediately. And so you need to keep all the heat out of that knot. And you need to do that by keeping, I put a big old gob of spit on it and cinch it in that spit. Like a, it needs to be almost submerged, so to speak, um, to keep that knot from heating up. And if you do that, when you cinch it down, that knot will test fantastic, I promise you. But here's the biggest thing of why I don't worry about it going through the tip guides. Because I don't make my leaders that long. There's very few scenarios 
where my leader needs to be more than at say two feet on them at the most. And typically my leaders are going to be somewhere around maybe 18 inches when I first tie them on. In other words, when it's brand new and then I'll replace them somewhere around the eight inch mark. So in other words, they're just little short stubby leaders and they're just long enough to keep teeth off of stuff, to keep hooks from grabbing the line. So they don't really need to be much longer than the, than the, lure itself. And anyone that says they need to be longer than that to keep bite protection, I've had guys say, oh, you got to have more than an eight or 10 inch leader to keep bite protection from big pike. No, I really don't. If you go to the store and you buy steel leaders, most of them are 10 or 12 inches long or a lot of them. Sure, they make longer ones, but that's not what most people buy. The short leader is fine. And some other people have told me, well, don't you think the fish see that braided line still? Well, maybe, but I don't believe that they're brains are astute enough to put together that this little piece of line over there is somehow magically connected to this lure right here. So they either see the fluorocarbon or they don't. And and fluorocarbon being basically the same light refractive properties of water, uh, it's difficult to, to see in the water. And that's why people use it. So I just don't feel like you need to have this big, giant, long leader. The only time my leader is longer than, say, two feet and it's literally the only time is I'm fishing is if I'm fishing purely vertical, meaning straight up and down under my boat, uh, and I'm doing so aggressively, like big snap jigging, a jigging spoon, um, a flutter spoon, something like that. And the reason I will do it there is the bait's moving up and down the water column in front of the fish, and so. There, my leader might be three or four feet long, and uh, let's call it four for easy, easy conversation. That four-foot leader allows me to lift that bait two or three feet at a time without my leader going up and down, or excuse me, without my main line going directly in front of the fish all the time. That's the only scenario where I fish vertical is the only scenario where I'm going to use that big, long leader, say three or four feet long, and... There, the knot doesn't matter because I'm just going to open the bail and let the bait go straight down. I'm not casting it at all, so it's not an issue. And I'm going to give you a warning. If you if you decide that, okay, I'm going to go ahead and run this knot through this, this guide constantly, one of two things is going to happen. Either your knot's going to fail much sooner than it would otherwise. Your leader knot is. And the reason it's going to fail is it's going to be clipping that the head of the knot every time it hits the guy, whatever knot you tie, it's going to be clipping it and you'll hear it go through the guides and it's beating on that knot every time. Or in the case of a big heavy leader, which I've seen more in saltwater or, or pike situation, I get a 30 or 60 pound leader. In the past, I used to tie longer leaders and I broke tip guides a couple of different times because that big giant knot will, will pop that the insert out of the tip guide. So you don't want to do that either. So over the years, I started shortening my leaders and I figured out that every part of the system got better and better and better. And now I'm, I'm, I'm probably 10 full years on the system I'm, I'm using right now. And it has not failed me. I was in the Keys fishing for bonefish, and guys like, well, you're going to need a five or six-foot leader. These things see everything. And I'm looking at it going, well, the water's only a foot and a half deep. How could I possibly deem that? And I tied my normal, you know, maybe 18-inch long leader to start, started throwing a little three-inch goat minnow on an eighth-ounce jig head, and guess what? Bonefish ate it without any problem at all. It didn't have anything to do with that big leader. Now, maybe if you're stripping a fly over the top of them, you know, or something like that, but in terms of, of something that you're just going to put on the bottom and work back, their brains aren't going to connect those two. And I had no problem sight fishing on the flats in gin-clear water 
with just short, stubby leaders in my braided line. And the braided line, uh, somebody would say, well, why wouldn't you just go to straight fluorocarbon? Well, the braided line gives me a chance to have infinitely more range, casting range, better hook setting, better sensitivity, better abrasion resistance, uh, or, uh, or excuse me, not abrasion resistance, but tenthal strength. Um, better ability to have less resistance in the water. So you hook a bonefish, let's say, and on, on a 10-pound braid, he go ripping through the water. That braid cuts the water very easy as opposed to, the, say, I had fluorocarbon and nylon. That's a lot of resistance running through the water that the fish is pulling against, effectively increasing your drag. So you don't necessarily want that. So um, I don't see a scenario where I need a longer leader than about two feet, and I can very easily and accurately cast leaders uh, in the say one to two feet range without the tip, uh, without the knot going through the tip guide. At the bottom of the leader, um, anything under about 12 pound, I don't tie a loop knot. I'll just tie straight to it. Uh, from about 12 pound up, I'll tie a loop knot. If there's no split ring, same as I do for the bite leaders we talked about earlier, um, I will tie a loop knot if I've got the heavier leader on there. If it's something, let's say I have a 20 pound leader because I'm flipping a jig on straight braid, and there's a lot of bass pros these days that are starting to, to take their straight braid and tie fluorocarbon to it because it handles better in the bushes. So they'll tie a, maybe a three foot leader on there. Again, not an issue because they're pitching underhand and they've got more than that amount of line out every time anyway. Typically that's gonna be done with a seven to eight foot rod and they're gonna have say five feet of line out every time. So a long leader there and it just helps with abrasion resistance and keep you from, from wrapping up in the bushes so much. So that's another scenario. But in that case, I'll tie a loop knot to the jig uh, or the Texas rig, as the case might be, just so it swings freely, because that's typically going to be on that 20-pound fluorocarbon uh, that I'm going to throw in that scenario. So, again, lots of reasons for leaders. Um, one, to prevent tangles with your trebles. Two, to prevent bite-offs. Three, to prevent visibility for your fish. If you fine-tune your leader to the size of your bait, uh, you're going to be better off. Lighter, lighter leaders for lighter lures, heavier leaders for heavier lures, uh, with the only exception of that being... Um, bite off leaders and the smaller the bait is with any fish that's going to bite me off the heavier um, beefier my leader needs to be because there's more chance they're going to get that entire bait in their gullet and if I'm throwing a great big bait I can get away with a little bit less leader material and and go from there there's one last thing I'll throw out there uh, because people have asked me this, does your leader need to have anything to do with your main line as far as pound test goes? And for me, it does not. The leader, the main line is the heaviest line I can get away with while still throwing the lightest bait I would throw on that rod. So for instance, if I want to throw, uh, let's say I've got a, a medium light and it's ready to throw one eighth or medium power, it's ready to throw one eighth to five eighths of an ounce. Okay. Well, Whatever braid will is just light enough to let me to throw an eighth of an ounce jig or whatever it is as far as I need to throw it is the braid I'm going to use and no lighter than that. And anytime I can get away with heavier tackle, it's easier on fish. I'm going to lose less tackle. Uh, it's just all the way around a better scenario. I disagree with the, uh, the, the major trend towards light line. And if I need lighter line, I can always do it with my leader. So that was a long-winded approach to leaders, guys. There's a lot to it, um, but at the end of the day, the, the leaders don't need to be long. They should be sized appropriately. Use the tag ends of your, of your spools to, to use for leader material and, uh, and consider the material that your leader's made out of, nylon versus fluorocarbon. So I appreciate you guys listening in. If you want to join the conversation, please do so. 
uh, at Fistful Thinker on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and of course, YouTube. And as I said in the beginning of this, if you've got any feedback on this podcast, any at all, let me know. But what would you, what would make sure you click the button every time? If it was longer, shorter, whatever, let me know. Chat at fishfulthinker.com or on any one of our social stuff. And of course, please tune into World Fishing Network and Altitude Sports Entertainment every Saturday morning to see what we're up to. Thanks for listening. This has been Fishful Thinker, the podcast. Thank you.